Well, good morning to everybody uh, and all of you watching online. I hope you are as glad to see me as I am to see you. Uh, I have had an amazing summer, as you know. Uh, it's 25 years, and I went on a vacation with my wife and daughter, and we uh, had an incredible time together and took up most of the month of June. And then most of the month of July, I've taken my annual study break. Uh, it's been a rich time, and I've preached a lot of places. I've preached about 10 times this summer. It just wasn't here, and there's nothing like preaching at home. So glad to be back. Rich study time uh, as I've been preparing for this new series on the Holy Spirit. I have probably studied harder for this series than maybe any I've ever done with the possible exception of the one we did on the book of Revelation. And I'm just going to say up front, there's simply no way in one series I'm going to cover everything there is to say and learn about the Holy Spirit. So probably uh, this is going to be the first of several series over the next several years as we grow in our understanding of the Holy Spirit. But as I was studying, I just felt like God was prompting me saying, why don't you start with Jesus? And I thought, well, what a great idea. I mean, we typically want to start with some fancy book or some great pastor or even the writings of Paul. Why not just start with the person who knew the Holy Spirit better than anyone else, the Lord Jesus Christ? And so what we're going to do, these next six messages, is launch out of John 14 through 16. So I encourage you over the next several weeks to just be reading those chapters over and over. And also, for every message, I'm going to prepare uh, discussion questions, either for family devotionals, personal devotionals, uh, or your small group. You just go online, click on the parting gift uh, icon, and you'll lead right to these questions, and they may be a help to you, and I would encourage you to pursue that. But read those chapters over and over, and let's just go deep into what Jesus taught us about the Holy Spirit. I am excited, as you can tell. I have worked hard on this sermon. I think I've trimmed it down to under four hours, and so let's go ahead and get started. So, it's the big game. It's the championship game in high school. And uh, tie score late in the fourth quarter. The star quarterback gets hurt. And the coach has got to turn to his backup quarterback, who was an athletic young man, but, well, let's just say he didn't have a real high football IQ. And so the coach sends him into the game. He brings his team up to the line of scrimmage. And to the great surprise of everybody on the sideline, instead of running the play the coach called, he calls an audible. He changes the play at the line of scrimmage. Everyone hears him bark, 14, 14. They run play 14. The running back busts right through the line of scrimmage, goes all the way to the end zone. They score, they win the game. Everyone is amazed. The coach grabs that boy after the game and says, son, what possessed you to change that play and call 14? He says, well, coach, I got up to that line of scrimmage and I saw those two big old linebackers, biggest old boys I ever saw, number six, number seven, and I just added it together and called 14. And the coach says, son, seven plus six don't equal 14. He says, coach, if I was as smart as you, we'd have lost the game. (laughs) Okay, so here's the reason I told the story. I want you to consider the amazing, seemingly impossible story of the church. How in one generation did a ragtag group of Jewish peasants change the course of history? How did they win in the face of absolutely impossible odds? 
They did not have educational resources. Everyone admitted they were untrained. They didn't have political resources. They had no status and no power. They didn't have financial resources. And they changed the world because of what they did have. The best gift ever. And so it's the night before Jesus is about to die. Now remember, he has told these men to leave everything and follow him. And they have. And now Jesus keeps talking about how he's going to leave. Ten times in these three chapters, he says, I am going away. And they're naturally feeling abandoned. Imagine how you would hear that if the person you have given up everything for is about to leave you. And it's in that context that Jesus says, I know you're sad, but I know something you don't know. Look with me from chapter 16. But now, I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you're filled with grief because I've said these words. But very truly, I say to you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go... I will send him to you. They're thinking, what could be worse? This is as bad as it could get. And Jesus is saying, oh no, the best is yet to come. They're facing this very uncertain future and a very hostile Future. Jesus says, it's not going to be easy. You're going to be hated because they hated me. They're going to take you into courts. They're going to throw you into prisons. The day is coming when if somebody kills you, they're going to think they did God a favor. And so what do they need? He doesn't say, here's what you need. Read more Torah. He doesn't say, have a positive mental attitude. He doesn't even say, I need you to depend more on each other than you ever have before. And he doesn't answer all of their questions. He just tells them one thing. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. The best gift ever. Notice the words Jesus used uh, It is for your good was from the NIV. Other translations say it is profitable for you or it is expedient for you or it is to your advantage or it is better for you or even I'm going to do what is best for you. And I think the disciples had a hard time believing Jesus. I think we do too. I mean, wouldn't you rather have Jesus 
in the flesh right next to you than anything else. So what we're going to do for these next six messages is we're just going to let Jesus inform us and hopefully change our minds about the parting gift. Because I start with what I think is an unassailable foundation, and that is that Jesus had the best view of the Holy Spirit. If you want to learn more about the Holy Spirit, you go first to Jesus. In fact, you're never going to appreciate the Holy Spirit like you should until you understand how much Jesus appreciated the Holy Spirit. And if I do nothing else today, I want to drive that home. You've got to understand how passionate Jesus was about the Holy Spirit. He thought the Holy Spirit was the best. And his view wasn't formed by reading some systematic theology. It was formed out of intimate, personal life experience. Jesus lived the life that he lived, which we think is the best life. Because of the Holy Spirit. In fact, one of the ahas I had in my study was I I never saw before how intimately connected the life of Jesus was to the power of the Holy Spirit. You find verses like Luke 4 verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, that's not a unique day in Jesus' life. That's how he lived every day. Well, for example, I think most of you probably remember that verse in Luke where Jesus was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you, you might remember the verse in Acts 10 where Peter says that Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power and he went around doing good and healing people who were under the power of the devil. So, so all of Jesus' ministry that he did was in the power of the Holy Spirit. You might be less familiar with Luke 10 where it says, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know what picture you have of Jesus. I think a lot of us, when we think of Jesus, think he was kind of dour. Do you ever think of Jesus smiling as a really happy person? The Bible says he was, and it was because of the Holy Spirit. Or Hebrews 9, 14, I'd never noticed this verse, says that he offered his life through the Holy Spirit. Jesus went to the cross enabled by the strengthening of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 11 says he was raised to life by The Holy Spirit. And you get all the way to Acts chapter 1 verse 2. And it says that in these last days before he ascended. Jesus instructed his disciples through the Holy Spirit. So from the moment he was conceived. To the last day he spent on the earth. Jesus lived 
every day, dredged in, guided by, enabled by, empowered by, helped by the Holy Spirit. And it was the best life ever because of the best gift ever. And he wanted that life for us because he knew we needed some help. So, everything else we're going to teach is going to build on the two things I'm going to teach right now. The two most basic things Jesus wants you to know about the Holy Spirit. The first, the Holy Spirit is God. Now, you might think, duh, but let me unpack that a little bit. A lot of us think the Holy Spirit is God light. God on a diet. The Holy Spirit is the third member of the Godhead. He's not the third wheel of the Godhead. He is God. So when Jesus said, guys, you don't need to grieve because I'm leaving. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. They weren't getting less of Jesus. They were getting all of God. And this is really important. Jesus could say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But he could also say, if you've seen the Holy Spirit, you've seen me. Look at this verse with me from 2 Corinthians. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Do you see how they're all equally God? But now look at that phrase, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Now that's really important. Pay close attention to this next sentence. The Holy Spirit is not a wonderful power. He is a powerful person. And that's a hugely important because you use a power, but you relate to and you know a person. We can have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. He's not a fog, He's not a ghost, He's God. The Bible says He speaks and he prays and he has a will he guides he decides he rejoices the holy spirit can be grieved because people have emotions he can even be lied to there's a story about that in Acts chapter 5 so i really want you to understand we're not talking here about how to tap into a power We're talking about how to relate to and build fellowship with a person. In Acts chapter 8, we don't have time to read it. Peter is doing some amazing ministry in Samaria. And there's this magician there named Simon. And he is wild at what Peter is doing through the Holy Spirit. And he says, I want to buy that. That that power you got, I, I want to buy that. And Peter turns around, you can go and read it later, and he gives him as harsh a rebuke as any person ever gets in the Bible. Why? Because you don't buy God. You don't control 
God. You don't use God. You don't domesticate God. And the Holy Spirit is God. Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, he's like the wind. He blows where he wills. Now, here's why this is important. Because some of you are saying, okay, I want to learn a lot more about the Holy Spirit. I just don't want to go too far, you know, and be crazy. The Holy Spirit's a fire. Well, I want a controlled burn. You don't control God. You open up your life to God. And you receive what God does for you. The Holy Spirit is a gift. But this is a gift you don't put in a box. But let me ask you a question. Why would we ever need to fear a gift from God? I spoke to so many Christians, and when you even bring up the subject of the Holy Spirit, you sense anxiety. Why would we ever need to fear a gift from God? I uh, heard of the story of a man that uh, was going on a vacation in Florida, and he had a a dog he really depended on. Well-groomed, well-behaved, so he wrote the hotel owner and said, uh, would it be okay if I brought my dog. And the hotel owner wrote back, he said, I've been operating this hotel for many years, and all that time I've never had a dog steal towels, bedclothes, silverware, or pictures off the walls. I've never had to evict a dog in the middle of the night for being drunk and disorderly. I've never had a dog run out on a hotel bill. Yes, indeed, your dog is welcome at my hotel, and if your dog will vouch for you, you're welcome to stay here too. Here's the point. What Has the Holy Spirit ever done that we should be afraid to welcome Him? Because you see, the Holy Spirit is good. If you don't learn anything else today, let's just learn that. He is God, and Jesus said He is good. And He knew better than anybody else the fellowship and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to see in the coming weeks, he just cannot say enough good things about the goodness of the Holy Spirit. The translators have wrestled with how to translate the word Jesus used because it's such an awesome word. We read the word advocate. Some other translations, yours might say friend or it might say the counselor or it might say the comforter or my favorite helper. Jesus is sending the Holy Spirit to help us. And this is why the parting gift excites God as much as it excited Jesus. You remember the disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And and so he taught them a really powerful prayer. And in that whole context, he said, guys, it's not just the words that enable prayer. It's your view of God that undergirds prayer. He said, now, your, da- your dads, and if a boy asks you for a fish, you're going to give him a snake? If your daughter asks for an egg, you're going to give her a scorpion? And then look what Jesus says. Now, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him.
God wants to give us a supernatural dimension to living. He doesn't want us to do life in our own strength, in our own will, in our own flesh. He wants to give us a quality of life that goes beyond what a sin-infected body is capable of. And so nothing, because God is good, because Jesus is good, because the Holy Spirit is good, nothing the Holy Spirit is going to do in your life should ever make you afraid. Should ever need to be restrained. Do you understand? To be afraid of the Holy Spirit is to subtly question the goodness of God. And yet, let's be honest. Many of us have spent much of our lives... Not really welcoming the gift. And I want to spend a little time in this first message asking why. And what I'm going to say next is basically my speculation. Based on my personal life experience and 30 something years talking with people as a minister. And I'm going to share you three reasons why I think people like you and me have been hesitant to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. One is just negligent teaching. Now, if you didn't grow up in a Christian home, if you didn't grow up going to church, I understand why you would have hardly any awareness of the Holy Spirit. But some of us grew up in church. And we still were abysmally ignorant of the knowledge of the Holy Spirit. I think one reason for that is we read in Acts what the first church looked like and what it was doing and how active the Holy Spirit was and that didn't feel like our church. That church was growing and expanding and it was boldly proclaiming and it couldn't be resisted. In our church, we couldn't even get people to move forward a few rows. And so to reconcile that seeming difference, we started coming up with Theologies that muted the Holy Spirit. Uh, I heard one that said the Holy Spirit operates only in the Bible. Which you can never, ever read from the Bible. Or, well, that's what the Holy Spirit did for them. We would read John 14 through 16 and we would pick and choose. Now that verse is for everybody, but that verse is just for the apostles. Let me ask you a question. Does the church today still need help? Look at what Jesus said in John 14. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you. Church, say that word with me. Forever. He wasn't promising help for one generation. He was promising help for every generation going out on mission with him. And so... I just want to say right now, you need to be careful 
of any theology that puts the Holy Spirit on tranquilizers. And I'm asking you to pray as we go through this series that you will have an open mind and say, Lord, if there are some things about the Holy Spirit I haven't understood yet, I'm ready to hear them. I think another reason we've been afraid is what I'm just going to call negative experiences. Some of us have had encounters with people and teaching about the Holy Spirit that were hurtful. I did. I was in college. I heard about a group of students, most of them I knew, who were having worship gatherings in a home. I heard they were very powerful. So I asked the leader if the next time they gathered, I could join them. And I was told I could not. I was told I was not welcome to come because unlike them, I was not full of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what he was full of. (laughs) But it wasn't the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit unites the people of God. It does not divide the people of God. And any time an elitist spirit develops in the body of Christ, it is not holy. Okay? The Holy Spirit does not make you better than anybody else. He makes you better than yourself. He calls you into the person God always wanted you to become. And so, if you have had a hurtful experience, could I just ask you to pray, Lord, help me get past that. Don't let the memory of something in the past keep me from moving forward in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So maybe for you it was negligent teaching, maybe it was a negative experience, but personally I think this is the biggest reason. Nominal discipleship. Here's the truth. Most Christians can live quite successfully without the Holy Spirit. We have the resources, we have the talents, we have the advantages to live a pretty comfortable life without any help. And so we settle for a mild, innocuous, tepid kind of discipleship that doesn't demand any more of us than to attend church now and then, give a little money, be a good citizen, and a pleasant neighbor. And we don't need supernatural help to do that. Soren Kierkegaard, in one of his books, tells us 
story of a town where all the citizens were ducks. And every Sunday they would waddle down Main Street. They'd waddle up the steps and waddle into the sanctuary and take their places. The duck choir would waddle into the loft. The duck pastor would waddle up to the pulpit and he would preach, Ducks, God gave you wings and with wings you can fly. With wings you can soar like eagles. With wings you can go over fences and boundaries. We can fly, ducks. We can fly. And all the ducks would shout, Amen, Amen. And then they would waddle back home. Okay. If your great goal in life is to be comfortable, and you are, why do you need a comforter? I think the greatest anxiety, unspoken, about learning more and exploring more and growing more in fellowship with the Holy Spirit is His definition of what is best for my life might not line up with mine. I already have a good life, Holy Spirit, so you stay on the shelf because what you call a good life might take me out of my comfort zone where I would need a comforter. And so, don't get too close. Here's the thing. We like to lead. We don't like to be led. But the very essence of discipleship is fellowship. We are pursuing the life of Jesus. It's the mission of our church to make and grow followers of Jesus. And I'll just be honest. I can't do it in my own strength. I cannot live like, I cannot love like Jesus without some help. And Jesus made it available. Jesus did what is best for us so we could be our best for Him. Things haven't changed that much. We still live in a world full of uncertainty and depravity and even hostility. If you challenge cultural values with kingdom values. And into that world, Jesus is sending us as ambassadors of a new kind of kingdom. Of a new way to live. And we need some help. I don't know how else to say it. If you don't daily need the help of the Holy Spirit, you're not following Jesus where He wants you to go. I need more of the Spirit if I'm going to make more of a difference. The Holy Spirit is not 
going to make us weird. He's going to make us more like Jesus, which is going to make us strange in a wonderful way. We got a good example of that this week. I know like all of you, I've been reading the daily papers, watching the news to hear about Dr. Kent Brantley. He and his family moved to Liberia. He's got the training and the resources and the advantages to have what we would call the good life, doesn't he? He could be quite comfortable. And instead, he goes to people on the margins, people with no status, with no way to thank him or pay him back. That's not natural. And now he's home in Atlanta, fighting for his life. And like you, we're praying every day for his recovery. I'm asking God for a miracle. But here's what I don't want you to miss. We've already seen a miracle. We've seen a person who is following Jesus so radically. He would go where others don't want to go. And live like others don't want to live. For the sake of a mission bigger than himself. That's not natural. That's supernatural. It's what happens when you're led by the Spirit. And this is what Jesus wanted for you. Do you understand that as he thought about his mission, he didn't think it was finished at the cross? He didn't even think it was completed at the resurrection. But only until he had ascended and sent the Spirit had Jesus done the very best. And when you get a gift like that, you ought to say, thank you. So, I'd like you all to stand with me, please. Now, I'm going to finish the prayer, but I'm going to ask you to start it. I don't know if you've ever done this in prayer, but would you take a moment and bow your heads and thank God for the gift of the Holy Spirit? And would you ask God to open up your mind to receive new and fresh understandings of the blessing of the Holy Spirit? Ask God to take away any fear, any negative memories that would block your growth in fellowship with the Holy Spirit.
If you're on our prayer team, would you take your places, please? Father, I'm just praying now in the power of your Holy Spirit that you would make us hungry for the kind of supernatural life Jesus wants us to know. We want to think more, live more, love more like Jesus. We know we're going to need some help because it might get uncomfortable. And so, fill us with the Holy Spirit. For Jesus' sake, amen. Amen. We're about to worship. And you see these people both in the balcony and down here on the front. And the reason they're available is simply this. We want to be a place where ministry happens and hearts and lives gets changed. Jesus didn't go to the cross in his own power, in his own flesh. He went in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he laid down his life so that you could have life. And the call you're feeling right now for your life to get better, to change, that's the Holy Spirit tugging on you. So be obedient. Come today and receive baptism. Come today and receive prayer. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. By staying where you are when he's calling. Please come.